I'm Craig Fisher, and this is Inside Talent, where we take you into the minds behind the scenes and show you some of the coolest tools and best practices of some of the coolest people in the talent industry. Hey, it's Craig Fisher with Inside Talent. This is our special talent sourcing series presented by Visage. You can get there by going to visage.jobs. And today we have with us Joss LaFrancois, who is the founder and CEO of Visage. Joss, how are you? How's it going? What's going on? I'm great. Thanks very much for having me today. So why don't you tell us a little bit about you and about Visage, and then we want to talk about uh, an article that you wrote on LinkedIn that I think is very fascinating, talking about the biggest jobs rebound in history that's on the verge of happening. So uh, tell us a little bit about you and Visage, and we'll get right into that. Yeah, right. So um, I mean, I'm a recruiter. I've been doing that for uh, the past 15 years now. Um, I was originally uh, in an agency. I co-founded a recruitment agency uh, back in 2005, um, and that was a 10 years uh, journey. It was relatively successful. Uh, when I exited in 2014, uh, we were in 12 countries. Uh, we were doing $50 million revenue, uh, and I had 75 uh, recruiters in my team doing about 1,000 placements a, a year. Um, and what I was really interested about, and, and the one thing I wanted to solve is the fact that I wanted my recruiters to spend more time with candidates, hiring managers, doing interviews, and, and they would be spending their time, uh, most of their time was spent um, on LinkedIn and other job boards doing a lot of manual work, trying to identify potential candidates, find their contact details, chase them, uh, and so on. So this is the problem we wanted to uh, solve, and that's why we, we created Visage. Uh, it's essentially a product where, as a recruiter, you submit your job, and then uh, we get a community of sourcers, independent sourcers around the world, to go out there and identify potential candidates. They do that within a matter of hours. So within 24 hours, you've got a, a list of candidates to review, and then one click, and you can engage with them. Um, so the value prop is really around uh, getting your recruiters to focus on the value add um, uh, aspect of the, the job, uh, building relationship as opposed to do the robotic uh, task. So you said something that I think was very interesting. Uh, it sounds like that Visage is crowdsourcing uh, sourcing with a community of sourcers, and they each get to bid on uh, sourcing for uh, any particular job that uh, a customer might submit. That, that's correct. So what we experimented a lot with the model and what we found is that uh, the best way to have um, good candidates, a good batch of candidates relatively quickly is to have several sources working on the same job. So when you post the job on Visage and let's say it's a, you are looking for a software engineer, it's going to go to the sources within our community of 4,000 they are the most likely to have relevant candidates to refer. So we look at their past performance, their domain of expertise, and what they do is they compete to submit their best matching resume. Um, and that's really a game changer. You know, you can imagine as a recruiter, you spend five minutes posting your job, five minutes reviewing your candidates, and you can you know, show up for, uh, for interviews and, and, and start interviewing candidates. I love it. So uh, I played with the platform. It was very successful for me, for my purposes. And uh, it's easy. I mean, it's very intuitive. There's nothing to it. it 
the uh, the system kind of walks you through a very quick dashboard to uh, get your job in and set your parameters and you just click go and then the next day you have candidates it's it's great yeah we made it as you know the simpler the, the better that's one of our values make things that are very complex um, deliver it in the most in the simplest way for users so this is going to come into play very soon and be very handy for employers that are maybe suddenly a little shorter on staff with recruiters and sourcers than they were, say, six months ago. Because uh, like you say in the article that you wrote, the economy is going to bounce back in a V shape, which means a quick recovery and means hiring is going to have to happen very quickly. So talk about that a little bit what is uh, yeah what does that kind of recovery mean for employers yeah so i think you know when i wrote, I wrote this article in june and I, I was hoping for a v-shaped recovery what what we see it's probably going more going to be a w you know uh, yeah. with economies opening and closing and uh, two bounces yeah. going to be stop and go right it just reinforced the fact that uh, you will have organization employers talent acquisition leaders who are going to uh, you know, have to scale up and down their uh, recruitment capacities. And that's a very hard thing to do, you know. Um, historically, uh, employers are equipped to deal probably with, what is it, 3 to 4% uh, turnover, depending on their uh, industry. And some of them, again, depending on their industry, they may have to rehire 30% of their uh, workforce. So how are they going to do that, knowing there are fewer resources than, than ever? When I say fewer resources, it's less recruiters, less coordinators, less leaders. You know, in our industry, I think the number is 30% of our uh, industry right now is unemployed. Um, so they will have less people, they will have uh, less budget, advertising budget has been, uh, job advertising budget has been reduced as well. Uh, so the only way they I think can uh, cope with the surge of demand and deal with this fluctuation will be to add technology automation. Um, and you know we are seeing it left and right with uh, employers right now uh, knocking at our door and other vendors that are, um, are promising to automate part of the recruitment process. Um, and their ask is very simple. Uh, we are a retailer and we need to rehire 1,000 people, we are not equipped to do that. Uh, we are equipped to hire probably 50 people a month um, and we need solution. Uh, and all, and the, the team we have is very small. We've got a small team of three or four people. Um, so you are talking about automation of the candidate pipeline, automation of the screening, automation of um, uh, interview scheduling, uh, video interviews, uh, and so on. Um, th so that's kind of the what we are observing on the on the market what's hard is that um in the past i would say until july uh when i was approaching tier leaders with this speech they they were not ready to hear it because they were still busy perhaps uh announcing bad news lay, laying off people uh and then they were not quite ready to hear that things are going to change and perhaps uh, go better um, and, and they need to get ready. Um, there is a, you know, there is no better time. I've heard, I think, um, uh, someone in our industry, uh, Jerome at uh, Smart Recruiter say it, is that there is no better time to change the engine of your car than when it's at standstill. And that's the reality. That's what's happening right now. There is no better time to 
finally get rid of the ETS that is antiquated and bring better system. There is no better time now to bring some automation, artificial intelligence in your recruitment process because you don't have the people that used to do it uh, for you before uh, in-house. Yeah, and even if you did have the people who used to do it for you before, you can save them time as well, right? And time to market is going to be critical right now because, like you said, customers are waiting, right? There's no there's no time to just do a typical ramp up. And it's not like just adding more employees. You're rebuilding. And so that's a completely animal. And, and a lot of these employers maybe thought that they would be able to bring back the employees that they followed. Um, but that's not that's what we are not what we are observing. Uh, first, the best candidates out there they already found a job. You know, we've been experimenting with list of lay, you know the layoff list, all these um, uh, resources that aggregated uh, candidates that uh, uh, talent that had been um, uh, fired. Well, you know, if you engage with this list, you realize that most of them have found a job already. Um, so that's there is this one factor and the second factor is that they may not want to bring back the same type type of candidates um, going back on the retailer uh, example i was giving earlier they are looking for a different type of person they uh, they used to have a lot of store associates and now they are more into developing an offline online experience so they are looking for um, you know designer of this offline uh, online experience uh, you've got, you're going to have a lot, lot of curbside uh, pickup that uh, it's a different type of uh, uh, talent that you have there. So um, what, so that, that's kind of the, I see the challenge that we, we are going to have in the industry. The other um, thing I'm, I'm thinking about uh, right now is the fact that these people that had to find a job in a hurry when they got fired from their previous job, they may not be happy. They may, may have got a job out of desperation, uh, but they are going to be more than ever um, listening to the market. So the ability to be to engage at scale to this uh, with this passive audience is going to be key. We are going to see, you know, the, it's going to be the musical chairs. I believe in the next few months, people that took a job for and they don't really like it and they find another one. And if you want to win as a uh, as a talent acquisition leader or as, a, as an organization, be able to combine um, your you know your traditional channels with a lot more um, passive sourcing going out there and making your uh, job opportunities known to those passive candidates is going to be critical. Right. Yeah. And I think one thing that we're seeing as a trend is, um, as you said, job seekers have options now and they've developed mm -hmm. options and they're mm -hmm. not necessarily doing just one job, right? They might be doing two or three jobs and right. that might be the solution for them, right? In this gig economy, I don't know that any one job is really still a 40 hour a week job. I think we're breaking mm -hmm. things down to task level now and that people are finding that they can have multiple income streams and might not want to go back to uh, that full-time office job that they had before. And so, you know, there are yeah. certainly uh, safety concerns and, and other family concerns that, that didn't exist sure. six months I, ago. I totally agree. And, and you are going to have a, I think this is a, a fascinating subject because the, the work, um, the work as we know it has, has changed. First, most of us work from, from home. We will typically have this type of conversation face to face and we'll be recording. It's happening online. And 
some companies have decided that they will want to bring back their employees to to an office that's the, the way they've been operating forever they want to go back to it. yeah i wouldn't be i i guarantee you that um, a lot of these uh, employees got used to the work from home um, during covid and may not want to go back so that's that's one aspect um, the other aspect is you, you mentioned it, the employer employee paradigm where you had one job that paid all the bills uh, might not be the prevalent model i don't think it's going to be the prevalent model 10 years from now um, covid has accelerated a lot of things um, so i think when you know building a product like we are building or when thinking about acquiring or, or developing talent as a as a ta leader uh, you need to think about these new ways these new um, models where freelancing or gig uh, the gig economy is going to be to take a much more central place and it's no longer going to be only for the low level entry level uh, tasker like we, we are used to uh, we'll see a lot more um i would say pods of people meeting to uh, uh, to work on an opportunity a project or another based on very specific skills and on their own time um so um, this is something I'm fascinated about. I, I, I can't wait to see as the economy reopens if um, employers will adapt and kind of change their, uh, their approach and have a more balance between their permanent staff base and freelancers, uh, specialists, consultants, um, the use of technology, artificial intelligence. Um, um, I think we'll see great things. You know, I, I think to your point, now is an excellent time for employers to start rethinking what actually works for them, right? Mm -hmm. you, you've got this depleted uh, staff and you have to rebuild. And so now would be a great time to actually measure what's going to work for you in the right. future because work is going to change at every company. Work is going to change. If you go into the next you know, five years with the mindset that we're going to do everything exactly as we did before, you're going to lose. Also, you know, your your branding and your messaging to job candidates has to change. Your um, transparency and flexibility should change there. Mm -hmm. And the way you talk about that in your job descriptions should change. So many employers still have, you know, a, a, a concrete building as the address for a job that they're posting yeah. online right now, which it's a little ridiculous. I mean, it should say or remote, right, for every job. And I'm encouraging job seekers that I coach even to apply for every job because I think remote is actually the option for every job right now. But, uh, you know, who's taking the time to look at all the HR gobbledygook that is in the template for every job that people put out? Nobody's doing that yet. And, and they should be. And they should be looking at the culture and analyzing what's really going to work. For sure. And, and I agree with you, like the, the job description is, is a perfect example uh, where you know, most of the time, um, recruiters will just dust off a, a job description that was written before, um, and they will try to adapt it. But I think now it's it's an opportunity to to rethink those job descriptions, to rethink the way we, you go about your um, how you are going to pipeline candidates. And you mentioned the, a, a small detail, but the fact that when you post a job on most platforms today, you still have to input a physical location. Um, and and that's um, that's very antiquated. They, a lot of jobs right now are 
they may have they may be uh, completely um, uh, remote or they might or you might be able to work remote but be attached to a specific city i'll give you an example um, facebook has announced that they are going to let their employees i think work from home until tw uh, july 2021 or june 2021 however in their job posting they still put the address of a specific location and that's because that they want a plan in the case they want to bring um, candidates that the employees back in that they, are, they live close by um, so there might be a lot of we need more flexibility in our technology to allow um, these um, different scenarios i i agree and i don't think that any of the big uh ats players um are adapting to that at all yet i mean i think there's probably a plan and it includes very expensive consulting and mm. upgrades but uh i think that looking at nimble technology at this point is a really good idea in general right uh, and i think there is a constant like what i believed uh, in terms of system applicant tracking system there there are major shifts happening right now and, and you know you can't have a an applicant tracking system that doesn't evolve with your organization that doesn't evolve with your the way you are recruiting you know we had the 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 example of uh, the ability to run remote interviews I, I didn't know it was still a, a challenge but for a lot of companies they were not equipped to uh, do uh, video conferencing like we are doing now so right. and that's insignificant seems to be an insignificant issue in the world of today, but it was for these largest organizations. So they are working with these systems that are not quite ready. Um, and what I think what's happening and what's shifting is that the cost to replace is not where it used to be. Uh, you can now, and, and uh, you've been, you know, uh, leading the implementation of various newer um, uh, applicant tracking system and it doesn't take that much resources the change management effort is not as as great and and i think what's important now to consider when picking these systems is how uh, quickly they can evolve and customize to your organization and whether these systems are only uh, i would say systems of records as opposed to system of intelligence a system of record it's you know a spreadsheet something that where you can have some basic workflow uh, but it's just going to track and, and have all your uh, candidates' data. System of intelligence is, is the next step, is the ability to uh, tell you and to guide you uh, through your, uh, your recruitment process. Let's say you open a, a requisition, the system will tell you, you will need to source 80 candidates. You need to spend that much on uh, job advertising, and uh, it's going to take you 47 days to fill direct based on uh, aggregated data um, for your for, for your category of job um, so you can remove this mental load on the on the user the recruiter and they can focus on building you know the messaging uh, on engaging with these candidates convincing them that your your company is the is the, the one they should pick um, and and I think there, there are interesting things happening in our in our sector uh, and, and I hope uh, the, the rate of transformation and the, the ability of tier leaders to, to pick that up now is, is going to increase. I think that, yes, and as a person who has been on the employer side of these things, trying to mm -hmm. implement these uh, you know, massive changes 
you know, if you've got a system because you're a partner with, a, let's say, a large uh, company that is a maker of NATS, mm-hmm. uh, and there are several we can think of, and your upgrade and integration requires even the thought of having to hire a third party right. to do a million dollars worth of changes that that that's crazy no, that doesn't make sense. yeah drop that contract drop yeah, that contract doesn't make sense where where is the state of technology right now we are talking about uh, no code platform and and you kind of know it's a little bit the air table or the uh, the trello of the world where you can with no coding skills whatsoever build workflow build um, uh, some sort of automation oh, yeah. um, and I, this is what this is what the future meaning that a tier leader a recruiter a user will be able to customize a product to fit their needs to bring the, all their various channels through very basic integration the job posting their sourcing their uh, vendors their agencies um, and and they will be able to customize to the, you know indefinitely and experiment and it's going without involving their IT department uh, without uh, having any uh, worries in, in terms of um, you know the, the organization changing and going in the in the wrong direction. So <clears throat> I worry that uh, our education system, at least in the U.S., isn't teaching that to kids yet. Right. I mean, they do have some coding classes and things like that, but they're not teaching the kids about the simple platforms that allow you to build automation. Um, You know, that the hackers of us in the world use all the time to make things happen. And so I'm teaching my own kids this. Right. They understand how to hack games. So they should be able to understand how to hack, making sure they get their homework done and things like that. Absolutely. And and I I agree. I think. The, the question of learning to code and so on is very interesting, but I will, I'll compare that with you know, how we you know, studied math at, and we went pretty far and we, without really thinking about the application. I, I think all, all kids may not need to code at some point. You know, all, a lot of this new um, technology, I'm, I'm thinking about GPT-3, which is a, a natural, natural language processing that will take in you know natural language and transform it into whatever you want transform it into html code into um, a, a boolean search string into a uh, with a minimum input create a job description um, right so this is going to help um, people who don't necessarily know how to code to build programs to uh, be able to build their system um, independently um, so for sure, they like everybody should know the, the basics, like the how uh, the logic of coding and different um, uh, aspects of it. Um, but yeah. I don't think we all need to be uh, hackers and coders uh, because, we, in my mind, the, the beauty of our profession is that we are people. People, you know, we uh, we are great uh, with the, uh, building relationship and and we are. This is more or forte. We should focus on that whilst understanding the broader technical aspects. Yeah, I agree. And I think I think anyone can watch YouTube and learn how to use zaps to, to make right. things happen, right? If you understand mm-hmm. the concept of IFTTT, then uh, you know the, the world is your oyster. And I, I think that's the type of thing 
we should be teaching in schools right now that I, I don't feel like is happening. And, you know, maybe maybe the adults of the world don't want the kids to know these uh, things, but I guess most adults don't know them either. They, they don't. I think, you know, if you look at innovation, what I've always been fascinated, and I did a case study on that on large corporation, um, you've got two types of corporation, um, um, the, their approach to innovation. One is going to, it's going to be top down. You are going to have an innovation manager or someone who is going to uh, introduce new technology, do pilots and, and so on. And it's going, it's going to be a separate uh, budget, but it's kind of top down. And I've seen organizations where it's, it's bottom up. They let their, you know, people pick and choose. They, they give them a small budget to experiment with a, a sourcing tool. They give them a small budget to, and, and this is how the uh, innovation come uh, into companies. It's, it needs to come from, you know, um, with a bottom-up approach. But it's a very, especially now with budgets and what's happening with COVID, um, I'm sure a lot of companies, if you want to spend, spend $10 nowadays, you need to have the uh, CEO signature. So it's, um, it's, it's, a, it's going to be a bit tricky. It is going to be a bit tricky. Um, and I've seen this in big companies like Toyota. Uh, they, they have the right idea. They're trying to be agile. Mm -hmm. It's just taking too long for them to, to get there, right? And, uh, and you have to move at the speed of light right now, I think. Right. And look, the or, or generation of TA leader has also been disappointed greatly with technology and the uh, false promise of uh, artificial intelligence and, and automation. Um, uh, if you if you interview any uh, TA leader, they will say that most of the AI so-called AI product they've tried didn't didn't work. Right, uh, and that's a and that's hard because you you put all the, the solution in the same um, basket. If you had tried Visage four years ago, you'd probably have hated it. Um, it was just not mature. It was not ready. We we were lucky enough to have you know early adopters that were looking beyond. Uh, what what we had then, uh, but things take time. Uh, you know, the first time I I called an Uber, um, the the person didn't find me. The driver didn't find me. It was a whole mess. I you know I missed uh, I did I missed my an appointment, and I thought this is not working. This is terrible. And you know, fast forward a few years later, uh, I I don't think I would have this issue anymore. Uh, so. Being patient with technology, knowing how to pick your vendors and accepting that you are going to try a few solutions. They may not, most of them might not work. One or two may have some promise, but you still need to give the time and the chance for uh, things to, to have an impact. Um, so it's, it's this combination between um, having structure um, that are ready to, for this great rehiring that we are, that we talked about earlier, uh, the, the, the safe way, the old, the the way they used, they are used to do it, and combine that with new technology to, to augment, I think is 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 critical. So I love that you use the the Uber reference. I'm glad that I found uh, Visage as a more mature product uh, than it was four years ago because my experience was great. I'll tell you, the first time I ever ordered an Uber myself was year one in San Francisco, and I was at Twitter headquarters. Uh -huh. And I had just taught the Twitter recruiting team a bunch of sneaky tricks for, for recruiting and sourcing. Uh -huh. And then I went down and I was with uh, Lars, I think, and, and the, we said, we're going to get a cab. And they said, why don't you just order an Uber? We're like, 
what is that? <laughs> this is like month three and, uh, and Uber did find us because we were at Twitter headquarters. So that worked out. Okay. Uh, all right. So you just mentioned again, this great rehiring, is this going to be the, the largest mass rehiring we've ever seen? I, I think so. Uh, when you are looking at the, you know, unemployment numbers and you compare them even with the great recession, um, it's, it's way worse now, but it's way worse temporarily. Um, and so I, I think it's a very exciting time to be, you know, in our space. Um, I know a lot of uh, my colleagues and friends don't, don't feel it that way because of the limited job opportunities out there. Um, but more than ever uh, will, will be needed. And, and our ability to really think about what, what's next and how to attract the, the talent of the future, leveraging technology, AI, um, I think this is what's going to matter. So, Joss, uh, I'm going to be doing a series of these webcasts with various people in uh, positions of influence at uh, talent acquisition organizations and sourcing types. And uh, this is all a buildup to the Global Talent Sourcing Festival that Visage is hosting in October. Uh, tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, that, that's something that we, you know, wanted to do it's it's really a celebration of our community when i say our community uh, we are thinking about the recruiters users who use our product uh, and they are going to be particularly excited about visage 2.0 which is the redesign of the platform uh, which makes the, the platform really feel like a, a consumer app um, then we've got so this is going to be one track we are going to have one track for our sourcing community so these are the you know, 4,000 sourcers who are contributing uh, and identifying potential candidates for clients' uh, job openings. Uh, and finally, uh, we are going to have a track for uh, talent acquisition leaders, uh, focusing on uh, larger companies, Fortune 500, global, international companies that are going to have you know, to um, think about how to scale up and down uh, and think about post-COVID and the great uh, rehiring that we we spoke about earlier. That's great. It sounds amazing to me. Um, I know that uh, I'm excited to be a part of it. Uh, my company, TalentNet, is helping to produce the event. Mm -hmm. We're doing a lot of that now since uh, we've pivoted to virtual. And wow. it's going to be on the Hop-In platform, which is an amazing, immersive experience. Mm -hmm. It feels very intimate when you do an event there. Um, mm -hmm. So, yeah, I'm excited for that. Uh, I know you're going to have a series of amazing speakers and right. uh, and sessions uh, to go along with it so uh, that's we, we don't have a, a final date yet right but it's going to be we're still you know uh, waiting for confirmation from uh, some we, we've got some very interesting speakers we went in um, um, really far into finding speakers that are going to captivate the audience on some of the um, uh, very hot topics of, of the moment uh, diversity of course uh, all the everything automation uh, artificial intelligence. Um, so that we, we are going to confirm the date and, and we want uh, this event to be very special. We call it a festival because it's, we want it to be fun, full of you know, insights and, and knowledge, but we want to, people to feel that they've attended something special, even if it's virtual. 
Well, I think in this time we need that. We need the connection as recruiters all over the world. We we're not meeting up. I mean, you and right. I have met up uh, multiple and times in mm-hmm. person, and we're missing it, right? So right. I think these uh, these events help us not only with knowledge and to do our jobs better, but to right. you know make the connection that I think we're going to probably be doing for the next few years, right? I mean, certainly we'll have in-person events again at some point, but I think there's going to be a lot more of this. I think so. And and I think people, you know, profession and, and generally professionals uh, are realizing that um, they need to capitalize on their on their personal brand. Uh, they don't they no longer have the coffee machine and, and the water cooler to network in, in, the, in their company. They need to uh, show and demonstrate um, that they uh, they have very good insights and they've got a vision for their uh, for their function, for the company. Uh, and we want this to be one of one of the platforms to enable that. All right. Once again, Jocelyn Francois, Mm. thank you very much for being here. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to Inside Talent. Learn more about the future of talent today at InsideTalent.org, where you can sign up for regular updates and you can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app.